Well, good morning. It is, as always, good to be here with you and having this opportunity to spend time together now in God's Word. As Pastor John mentioned, we are continuing through this season of Advent, and again, only being seven days away from celebrating Christmas on Christmas Eve. The series that we've been focusing on is titled, God Gave. And it centers around that verse, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he gave. God gave his one and only son, so that whoever believes in him will not perish. And that's our focus today, a gift of faith, a gift that leads to forgiveness and to eternal life. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to be here together today at your promise to know that you are here with us where two or three gather together in your name. Father, thank you for the love that you have for us. And because you loved, you gave. You gave the gift of your Son. And because of Jesus, we believe. And because we believe, we have life. Life with you here and now. A life that is free because of your gift of forgiveness. And so, again, just give us today through your word a greater appreciation to you, to your gifts of grace and love and forgiveness. And all God's people said, amen. In the weeks leading up to today, we have talked about just that. Pastor John started us off in this series talking about the gift of God's grace. In fact, grace upon grace. And last week, Pastor Andy shared with us, again, God's gift of love. For God so loved the world, you and me, he gave. The gift of his son, Jesus. And through Jesus comes to us, as we're focusing on today, a gift of forgiveness. A forgiveness forgiveness that frees us. Us. And so, yes, it is a gift from God to you, to me. As Pastor John shared, talking about God's grace, God's gift of grace, it rescues us from eternal separation from Him. And that gift of God's grace, it rescues us to what? To a blessed life. A blessed life in Christ Jesus. I want to focus on that word blessed for a moment. If you still have your Bibles open, I hope you do. Look there again with me to our reading that Keith just shared with us. A Psalm of David, Psalm 32. Blessed are the forgiven. Verse 1, blessed. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven. Blessed is the one whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man and the woman against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For as we just got done singing together, where the spirit of the Lord is in us, there is freedom. I am free, you are free, we are free, and all God's people said, amen. I want to share with you our reading, those first two verses. We heard it again from the the ESV, the English Standard Version. I want to share it also from the NLT, the New Living Translation, where it says, oh, what joy for those who disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. 
Notice there the word uh, that is substituted for blessed. In the New Living Translation, it uses the word joy. Can you think of a, a certain song or hymn about joy that we like to sing at this time of the year? Joy to the world. And I know you know how it starts. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. But do you know what verse 3 says? Can anyone say it? Sing it for us. Once you hear it, you're going to know it. No more let sins and sorrows grow. Nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. What we see in our reading today in Psalm 32, the Psalm of David, is that confessing leads to blessing. Confessing leads to blessing. Now David knows this. He knows it from his own personal experience. But something that David also knows from his own personal experience is that, and we're going to come to see in verses 3 and 4 here in just a moment, David also knows that unconfessed guilt, unconfessed shame, unconfessed sin, it ranks among the greatest tragedies in life. Listen again to these words. If you have your Bible, follow along. Psalm 32, verses 3 and 4. David says, For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand, O Lord, was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. In Ecclesiastes 3, another Old Testament passage it's there that we're told there is a time for everything. And in verse 7, it says there is a time, yes, to be silent, to keep silent. But there is also a time that we are to be silent no more. Confession is not a time for us to keep silent. You see, to be silent in our confession, it's to hold back. To be silent in our confession, it's to bottle up. To be silent is to bury deep. And sometimes, like David, that is how we choose to deal with the sin, the struggle in our lives. We try to convince ourselves that we're really, we're not that bad, or the situation is not that bad, or maybe the sin's not that bad. Or we think to ourselves, it's so bad, right, that we can't let anybody know. And so I'm just going gonna, gonna to bury it. I'm going to push it down. I'm going to hold it down. I'm going to hold back from God. I'm going to try to hide it from him. I'm going to try to hide it from others. But none of those approaches are holy or healthy or honoring to God. In fact, David says when he kept silent from God, when he tried to hide his sin from God and from others, when he was holding back and bottling it up and, and burying it deep, it says it led him to a place where it was his silence, his lack of confessing. It was destroying him. 
from the inside out. It was destroying him physically, emotionally, mentally, relationally, spiritually. That's what guilt and shame and sin has a way of doing if we do not confess to God. If we sometimes forget and forget and question again just how serious sin really is. I mean, we come together, yes, on Sunday. We come together in this place of worship. We confess our sins. We receive God's grace, his forgiveness. But what about Monday? What about Tuesday? What about the rest of the week? To see again the series of sin, we don't have to look any further than to the manger and to the cross. I mean, think of it, because of the seriousness of sin, what does God do? He enters into his own story. He comes near to us. The Father sends his Son to be sacrificed, to be killed for you and me. Consider for a moment what Paul David Tripp says in his devotional, New Morning Mercies. He says, sin is so real that God's real son had to come in a real birth, live a real life of perfection, die a real death, and walk away from a real tomb so that you could have real forgiveness and real hope in the face of real sin. That quote speaks to the real reason that Jesus was born. Emmanuel, God with us. God coming to us. He came to us, yes, to live perfectly on our behalf. Jesus came to us to make right what we so often get wrong. Jesus came to us to comfort the weak. He came to heal the sick. He came to give sight to the blind. He came to forgive the sinner, to forgive you and me in order that we might be made right again with God. I love how Henry Nouwen in his book titled Compassion, he says it this way. He says to us, and maybe this is you in your present situation or maybe this has been you, but to us who cry out from the depth of our brokenness for a hand, just a, a hand that will touch us. For those of us who cry out for an arm that can embrace us, lips that will kiss us, a word that speaks to us here and now, and a heart that is not afraid of our fears and our tremblings. To us, who feel our own pain as, as no other human being feels it, or at least it feels that way, who has felt it or even will feel it, who are always waiting for someone who dares to come close to us. Listen to this. To us, a person has come who could truly say, I am. I am with you. I am for you. Jesus Christ is God with us. And what he says to us, his invitation is come. Come to me. What does scripture say? Come to me, all you who are weary 
heavy laden, burdened with life. Come to me, all of you who are not perfect. Come to me, all of you who just kind of feel like a mess sometimes. Come to me, you who just, you don't have all the answers. You don't have it all together. Come to me. Those of you just in need of some rest, in need of hope, in need of peace, come to me, Jesus says, and confess. Stop hiding from me and start hiding in me, in my refuge, in my loving arms that that wrap you. Again, this touches on, and and we'll see it here. Again, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, some of you are maybe familiar with him and his book, Life Together. He says it so clearly, so well. He says, you are a sinner, a great, desperate sinner. All right? Now that we're clear on that, now come. Now come as the sinner that you are. Come to the God who loves you. He wants you as you are. He does not want anything from you, a sacrifice, a work. No, he wants you and you alone. So come. Come to me, Jesus says. Those words touch on what Paul says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For it is by grace, God's gift of grace, that we are saved through God's gift of faith. It's not because of us, what we've done or haven't done. It's not because of our works but it's because of that good and perfect work of Jesus that we are loved and forgiven and saved. Those words touch on what Pastor Andy shared with us last week, talking about God's gift of love. 1 John 4, 10. This is real love, and it doesn't start with us loving God. No, it starts with God loving us and God coming near to us. And then John says, this is real love, that God would send his son as that perfect sacrifice take away our sin forever and to allow us to go, to move, to live, to be free. Consider, consider David. In Psalm 32.5, David says, okay, I'm coming, Lord. I'm coming to you. I acknowledge my sin to you and you did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you, you, O Lord, forgave the iniquity of my sin. David comes to God. God who in reality first comes to him. David comes, he confesses, the Lord forgives, and guess what? We are invited to do the same. Look what David says next, Psalm 32, verse 6. Therefore, let everyone, that that means you and me, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time, O Lord, when you may be found. Before Jesus' second coming, before he comes again to judge the heavens and the earth, there is still time to turn to him. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. For you, O Lord, are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. I don't want us to miss what David is saying here. David has has moved away from trying to hide from God, keeping silent. 
bearing his sin, his guilt, his shame so deep, hoping that it will just go away. Instead, he has seen now the importance of of not hiding from God, but hiding in him. And I want us to understand the difference, because there is a difference when it comes to hiding from and hiding in. To hide from God is what Adam and Eve did in Genesis 3. When they sinned, when their eyes were open to know not just good, but good and evil, what's the first thing we're told they do? They hide. They hide from each other. They hide from God. God has to come to them and call them out of their hiding. God comes to them and close them. God comes to them to bring them back into relationship again. What David is doing David, who's hiding from God, he comes to a place as he confesses to know that he can hide in God and be safe. If you think of of Judas, when Judas betrays Jesus, we sometimes forget this part of the story, but, but Judas returns the silver. He's seeking forgiveness, but what do the religious leaders do? They withhold that forgiveness from him. And then Judas, instead of turning to Jesus, he turns inward. He keeps silent. He tries to bury everything down deep, and he ends up taking his own life. Compare that to Peter. Peter also committed sin. Peter also betrayed Jesus. He denied him three times. And Peter was dealing with that sin. He was was hiding from God behind locked doors out of a fear. But when he hears that the tomb is empty, what does he do? He doesn't hide from, he runs to. To hide in the loving arms of his Savior. This is all because of God's gift of faith. Pastor Andy talked about this last week, how faith helps us to understand God's love. And I would add to that, faith helps us to not just understand it, but to experience it. And in the same way, faith allows us to experience God's gift of forgiveness. Because in John 3, 16, what does it say? For God so loved the world, he gave. He gave his one and only son, so that whoever what? Believes in him. That's faith. That gift of faith allows us to believe in him, to trust in him, to hide in him. And the result is that we will not perish, but have life. Life eternal, but also life here and now. You see, what I want us to see here today is that forgiveness allows us to keep moving. Forgiveness frees us from feeling like we have to to hide It allows us to to move and to live. In John chapter 8, there's a story. Some of you are maybe familiar with it. That woman who's caught in an act of sin. And she's brought before the religious leaders. She's brought before Jesus. They all have a stone in their hand. Well, not Jesus, but the religious leaders do. Jesus instead is writing in the dirt. He's taking the eyes off of the woman. and, And the accusers, their eyes are now on Jesus. And he tells those with the stones in their hand, go ahead, toss your stone, but make sure if you toss it, you're someone who has never committed a sin yourself. And one by one, each of them drop their stones and they leave. And it's just Jesus and the woman who are left. And Jesus looks around and he says, is there anyone here to condemn you? And the woman looks around and she sees all the stones on the ground. She says, no. And then Jesus says to her, neither do I. 
Now go, keep moving, keep living, but sin no more. Forgiveness doesn't free us to return to that life of sin. It forgives us to to live free as followers of Jesus. And so whether it's the woman caught in that act of sin, whether it's it's David realizing it's time to stop hiding from God and to hide in God, or whether it's you and me, what I want you to hear very clearly today is that we are not valued by the mess that we and our sinfulness make. We are valued by the price that Jesus has paid. Jesus, who was born for you, who died for you, who rose for you, who lives for you, who loves you, and who forgives you. God's grace, that gift of grace, it rescues us from eternal separation from him, and that gift of grace rescues us too to a blessed life in Christ. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven. Blessed is the one whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Because where the spirit of the Lord is in us, there is freedom. I am forgiven Because you, O Lord, you, Jesus, were forsaken. I'm accepted because you, Jesus, were condemned. I'm alive and well. Your spirit is within me because you died and you rose again for me. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, what I want you to know today is that you, you are blessed because you are forgiven. In Jesus' name and all of God's people said Amen. May we live free in Jesus' name. Amen.